Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mandalorian pod here on Rogue Opinions. I'm one of your usual hosts, Scott McLeod. And we've had a good string of episodes recently on this Mandalorian pod, but unfortunately, you know, team for team, Godfather, the whole train has just come to a really, really hopeless week. You know, it's gotten strapped in the ice, and the main compartment has been covering these weird spiders, and Carl refusing to get back on the train through these fear spiders. Uh, I, I'm taking the lead on this episode because uh, apparently sometimes in a coin toss, Tails does fail. And this is episode 10, uh, sorry, this is chapter 10. This is chapter 10, episode 2 of season 2, The Passenger. And I know we had some, like, a mixed bag of things to say about episode 6 of last season. Same as one of the weaker episodes. This episode, episode's not so bad in hindsight. This one, I still have some issues with looking at this one back. But I will I'll also introduce the man who not only had to watch this episode this week, but also got his first uh, the first dose of his COVID vaccination. So if he can fight through the, the symptoms of that and this episode, there's nothing that can keep this man down. Carl Pierce. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Thanks, Scott. Um, yeah, just... Raring to get this episode out of the way so we can get on to the really good ones which uh, follow next. Mm-hmm. I'm the same, so we'll dive straight into it. No, bit, we'll do our main overview of the episode. And really, one of the issues with this episode is when you look at the actual overview that we're, before we delve into in more detail, there isn't actually that much to look over. Uh, it's fairly one of our simple episodes. Uh, it's directed by Peyton Reed, who is more known for, for directing films like Yes Man with uh, Jim Carrey, and he also directed the Ant Man films. He took over uh, there shortly after Edgar Wright, the original man who was originally meant to direct the first Ant Man film, left, and he's taken over that franchise. And I believe he is going to direct the upcoming third and so which comes out either sometime next year or early 2023. But as usual, it's written by John Favreau and. It really picks up, uh, unlike last season where there were a few episodes where you weren't sure just how much time has passed as Mando's on the run, all these episodes seem to flow right seamlessly into each other as if they're all happening one after the other, like in terms of in terms of like events. Because like Mando is like still on the speeder bike, he's making his way back from Los Falgo right after the events of uh, the last episode. You can actually see in some of the close-up shots his armor is still a bit dirty from, from the Creek Dragon exploding. But these guys trying to ambush him and steal the child, but Mando easily fends them off. He goes to trade the child for uh, for a, uh, a jetpack to win them, and when the guy goes to run away with his jetpack, Mando just activates it using his wrist thing, and the guy goes flying up in the air. And Mando walks out with all his stuff, but unfortunately his speeder got destroyed. He has to carry Grogu, his stuff, and the Boba Fett armor that he got off of Gov Vance all the way back to... Mosaisley, and there he meets up with Pelimoto, who is fixing his ship. She's using our old like engine thing to help cook the big slab of a uh, crate dragon meat that he brought back in the last episode. And the main crux of the story is that he's found she's found somebody who claims that she knows where there's some Mandalorians on the moon of Trask, but the person needs to passage to that region and they can't travel and do light speed, and it's real to be some frog woman, and I don't think she's even credited with that actual character name, which is rare for 
even my, minor characters in Star Wars, like I think she's like credited as Frog Lady or just Frog, and she's got these eggs. And we're 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 told she needs to meet her husband, who's on the moon of Trask, where these Mandalorians apparently are. And he has seen them, but they can't travel in late speed because they'll damage the eggs, and maybe maybe the last of their family line and all sorts of that. But along the way, Mando gets uh, runs into a couple of X-wings, and while trying to avoid them because you know he's not got the best record, uh, and so he's not the Republic's favourite guy. He ends up landing on this ice planet, and eventually uh, he ends up on this ice planet, which uh, I now know is called Maldo Crease. Uh, and while he, he lands the ship secretly away from the X-Wing, the ship ends up crashing through the ice, and the story of the episode is Mando trying to fix the ship while trying to stop Grogu from eating the, the woman's eggs. And also, there's some weird spiders uh, crawling around the caves of this planet that are after them, which prevent them from getting away. And in the end, the X-Wing pilots make their return to save Manjo and the spiders at the last second uh, in a way that actually ties into episode six, uh, where like Manjo was involved in the prison break, but they, they don't like take him in because they help, tried to help that guy that was stationed there, and he ended up in Mayfield and the others. Uh, in this in their cells, so they help Mando get rid of the, the spiders. Mando crams everybody into the the hull of the ship, and they move very slowly to Trask. As the race to which is very, it's not the best ship uh, in terms of how it functions. It's still very old, like you said, it's pre-Empire. No, it's very, it's like ex-Imperial. Like it's an old ship, and it takes a hell of a damage and. Like, we see what state it gets in when we get into the next episode, but God, I think this is an episode that actually starts out for the first 10 minutes fairly well, but as soon as they crash, and they, as soon as it goes through the ice, and Mando, they're all stuck there for the, for the rest of the episode, that's when I think, literally, it, it falls off a cliff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does start well enough. You, you, you're quite right. I love the... Uh the sort of opening fight where he tricks the guy into taking his jet pack uh, and as you said he controls it with his wrist thing sending the the would-be criminal fly flying off and uh, manages to retrieve all this stuff again i love some of the exchange with um pele motto when they're back in the bar when <laughs> you say i can va- i can vouch for uh I thought you said you could vouch for her, and she's sort of like, what's it? I own it. How would I know? I only met her like half an hour ago or something. But you said you vouch for her. Well, I'm a good, good, a good judge of character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's some of her uh, like best bits of dialogue around this episode. Like she sees him coming in carrying the the stuff over his shoulders and the Mandalorian armor on it. She looks at him like. And the first thing she said to him was like, you finally see another Mandalorian and you kill him. And then he was like, no, he wasn't Mandalorian. And he explains to her what happened. And what he says, oh, what did you do? Oh, I had to kill a great dragon. Oh, is that all? Also, <laughs> uh, I think obviously being a native of Tatooine, she probably knows about the great dragon. Uh, but yeah, the, the funny thing with this, this frog, where, like she claims, oh, I vouched for him. But I said, like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know her. It's just, so it's just goes to show that, you know, much like Mando, she's all about, like, Getting the next job, or getting where she really cares about where the money, where our money is coming from, uh, as most people are in this, this universe, kind of out for themselves. But yeah, this frog lady, like 
you can't really communicate with Mando, and so, like literally, like you have it on subtitles and this, but it just says speaks frog, <laughs> and Mando's trying to find a language that he speaks that like they might both have gone because she clearly doesn't speak English and or whatever it is they call English in in Star Wars because I'm sure they have a different name for it. Uh, it's not in Game of Thrones; it's preferred just the common tongue. Uh, and he tries to like, find another language, but because he clearly doesn't speak whatever she speaks. And uh, in the previous, like, bit the side, so we saw the bit where Mando killed uh, Zero, the, the droid voice by Richard Ayoade, because his body's still in the ship, and she bypasses his security protocols to be able to use the droid to communicate with Mando, explain to him why she needs to get to, to Trask, and to basically encourage him to, like, fix the ship and, like, help them get on their way. Which, weirdly, if she's that smart, she's able to, like, Manipulate the droid in that way. Why is it then Mando has to go outside and do all the work he's fucking self? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she does sort of really like put her foot down with him, doesn't she? It's like, you will honour the agreement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, and that uh, really the best thing about it is getting to hear Richard Ariwadi again. But, you know, I literally, this is one of my notes in, for this episode. Frog Lady is so annoying. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's all too brief. The uh, the little section with Richard Ayoade, unfortunately, mm-hmm. they must have. You know, I bet he earned a nice bit of pay packet for those few lines. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He just came in. He didn't even. I don't think he even watches the show. I don't think. I, I would doubt that he watches really anything he's ever done. Does <laughs> Richard Ayoade? I would maybe say the stuff he's directed, but even that I think would be a stretch. I don't think he's ever, he ever watches anything he does unless he's made to, unless he's forced to go to the premiere for it because he strikes me as that kind of a guy. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> he does seem like that, that sort of person. Um, but yeah, I, I think in some of the funniest bits is uh, Grogu just can't resist eating those eggs. It's <laughs> so sort of opening it up and reaching him, reaching it in as he sort of so it sucks the heart. It's because it's quite big even compared compared to him because he's little. He sort of like sucks the whole thing in in one go, doesn't he? It's like mm-hmm. quite a funny sight to watch him eat those eggs. And Mando starts panicking. How many of these things have you eaten? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I remember at the time this was. I didn't read into it really much further because I couldn't really be asked because uh, I heard all people were getting upset about eating the eggs. Like, why? It's been established he eats anything, especially frog related things. I'm pretty sure there was an episode where a, whole, a frog was jumping about a tiny one and he tried to hit the whole thing in his mouth while it was still alive. So <laughs> I, I don't know why, like, why, maybe because they're still eggs. I don't I don't know. But like, Grogu and the frog lady really cause nothing but problems for Mando in this episode because when those ex wing pilots come up, they ask him about, you know, they're trying to give him a signal and everything because also they're just checking. Right, they're really doing routine check, and he's trying to like go by undetected because like he was annoyed with Pele when he said he couldn't do light speed because that's the best way he stays, you know, he stays undetected by the Republic and everything because he's done a lot of illegal stuff before, you know, doing this good thing which is looking out for for Grogu, but obviously now that he's not able to do go on light speed, he's now he's easily been found by the X Wing, and it's her waking up and basically and making noise in the background which. Basically, 
causes them to look a bit further into him and then causes that change, which then causes them to crash into the ice. And then Grogu is the one who can't, he's told he can't eat the eggs, so he goes for these, like, actual eggs and, like, eating the spider stuff inside it, and then that causes all the other eggs to hatch, and then you see the freaking massive uh, spider. I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know if I find it somewhere online, but I don't know if there's an actual word for what these creatures actually are. I'm just going to call them ice spiders because that's the best way to describe them. Yeah, that's a pretty apt, apt name, and it kind of reminded me of scenes from Arachnophobia where all the little spiders are crawling all over the walls of the houses, and oof, yeah, I wasn't keen. And then just when you think it can't get any worse, this big, massive spider thing comes out with, I don't know, how big was it? About the size of a house, wasn't it? Absolutely enormous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Didn't like that, and uh, quite funny the way the the frog lady, when they realise they have to run, sort of grabs a sort of rope thing with her tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly to say, while Mando's running, clearly slow because he's the one having to carry the egg. He's just doing a regular frog like leap to get away <laughs> faster. While Mando's trying to think of his feet, like, throwing charges to try and like cave the ice in on the spiders, and everything while carrying the eggs and also having to care worry about. Uh, about Grogu, and it did remind me uh, of the scene in, like, I believe it's Chamber of Secrets, where Harry and Ron go into this cave, and there's this giant talking spider, and then there's all the other spiders crawling all over the place. You know, I only have a passing interest in the uh, the Harry Potter film, so I only vaguely remember that scene, but, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have arachnophobia, like, like you said, but I, I, I'm not so keen on spiders. Well, at least not the bigger ones, there's not too many of them. Yeah, I think anyone would be uh, a bit panicky if there was that many coming at them. To be, to be quite, to be quite honest. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I did. Ha- I did have a pal at school who was arachnophobic, uh, and I was less more understanding then when I was younger than I am now because I was an idiot. So every now and then, if I was walking in the corridor and she had her back to me and she couldn't see me coming, I would do what any other idiot would do. And I put my hand behind her and walked my fingers up behind her as if the fire was crawling up. <laughs> <laughs> it was to say she wasn't happy about that. Yeah, uh, well, work, work colleagues at my old job would uh, delight in if they find a spider sort of chasing it, chasing me with it, and uh, for trying to throw it on my back and stuff. The ways we delight in torturing our friends and colleagues. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Until I turned around and said, do that again and I'll break both your arms. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much... I'm not, I'm not a violent person, but that's how much <laughs> spiders wind me up. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you had a similar attitude uh, that Mando had when the guy tried to like, hurt Grogu at the start of the episode because, well, I joke there that like, Grogu does cause more problems for him because he's the one who cracks one of those eggs open, spider eggs open and then that leads to them all kind of hatching. You do see a further like development of their relationship because like the guy's got the knife to, to Grogu and Grogu, despite the fact that a guy's got a knife to him, doesn't seem to be that it seems to be nonplussed by the fact that he's knifed in danger. And Mandel basically said to the guy, If you hurt him there's nowhere in the universe you can go where I won't find you Basically, saying to him, like, don't, don't even attempt this because it'll be it'll end up worse for you. 
And so it's a, it's a nice little bit for the episode. And but yeah, I think because I thought, oh, well, this frog lady seems like she was quickly annoying me when I first watched it. She wasn't my favourite watching it back. But like, I remember the X Wing bit and the stuff with in the desert at the start. I thought, oh, this is, seems to be like moving at a decent pace. This. I thought, oh, I'll of the X Wings and then the whole thing will be about him trying to get to Trask undetected. That'll be the theme of the episode. And then he gets there at the end and we get a nice wee lead into the next episode. No, it's just, again, it's similar to The Prisoner in that there's always this kind of thing in not just sci-fi, but most shows, characters are going to one location, they get stuck, and the episode now is centered around them being unstuck and then carrying on their way. And also, how pissed off would you be when you're doing all that work to free the X-Wing and everything, and there's Frog Lady, who's done bugger all, wandering off and having like a sauna type thing. <laughs> I don't know, I'm putting all the eggs in and then Mando yeah. first, Grogu, <laughs> Yeah. Like I said, like, she's, like, she does bugger all but cause problems for Mando because, like, then he has to, like, start what he's doing to fix the, the ship, which obviously means, like, that plus also the spiders crawling all over and the massive ones jumping on top of it. Yeah, it that didn't do it much there. good, did it? <laughs> yeah, but, like, even then, you like, he's had to stop in the middle of his repair as well I imagine it's always cold, but it's getting to nightfall, so the temperatures are dropping even further. We have to stop, pick up Grogu, and try and follow her tracks to try and get her back to the fucking ship. Because she's the one giving him failures about falling on his falling his duty, but if she, her bugger in office, because let me forget his duty to come get her. It's a bit. It's a bit like careless and neglectful as well. That so she's taking the eggs out and put them in this like sauna pool on a planet they don't know. And mm-hmm. literally anything could be anything could be there, which sort of happens to be ice millions of ice spiders and a and one giant one. <laughs> I don't don't know this place, but I'll just tip me me eggs the last of my lifeline in this pool, which could have anything in it for all I know. And mm-hmm. uh, like she's put them in as this one the one warm part of this whole planet. Like if if you're so confident these are good conditions for your eggs, what's the point of that little container thing that you've got that you're carrying them around in? I just I know we're kind of shitting on this this character, but like geez, it just seems unnecessary to even have her there. I mean, even like the Bayfield and Borg and the other guys and the who got introduced in episode six had a purpose, and Mayfield will have another purpose later on in the series. But uh, I looked up the the this. Frog Lady is played by an actress called Misty Ruiz, who she's done some acting, but she's also done kind of like stunt work and performance uh, pieces. She actually, while Nick Nolte does the, Nick Nolte does the, the voice of Quill, it was actually hard doing the movements for Quill. Oh, right. Apparently, apparently so. So I imagine she was just like, like under the prosthetics and makeup or whatever for the for Frog character, but. Yeah, because like she read it from our episodes, then she's actually in the frog lady, and then just said uh, frog slash quail like performance artist. Ah, that's some interesting information you've dug up there. Yeah, well, I wanted to find something. At least I like to find find like some behind the scenes stuff. So, in the rare occasions like this, where there's nothing going on in the episode to delve into, I can find this stuff. Because like I believe like James Gunn's brother Sean uh, does like the actual motion capture movements for Rocket while Bradley Cooper's the one like doing the voices and all that. So some it's not uncommon for some actors to do like the actual movements while someone else voices it. 
uh, in posts like elsewhere and something else uh, that people might have mentioned is the two X-Wing pilots that uh, pursue Mando uh, one of them Carson Teva played by uh, actor Paul Sun Hun Lee who uh, most people know him as uh, from a show called Kim's Convenience I've, I've never watched it but apparently that's what he's he's known for right now I think his character particularly of the two is meant to be one of the characters that we see in that uh, Rangers of the New Republic show that's coming out because uh, ah. uh, we see him again later on uh, this season but uh, Wolf is the name of the other uh, X-Wing pilot who doesn't talk as much but he's actually played by Dave Filoni oh is he yeah ah. so um, the man there behind you know the upcoming Ahsoka series the Bad Batch Clone Wars Rebels well, he's the main guy behind it, but like, there you go, that guy responsible for. So I doubt, I doubt his character will be in Rangers of the New Republic other than a camera because I think with Bad Batch and Ahsoka, he's got his own stuff to deal with. And I think, I don't know who they've, they've really said who's like the showrunner for Rangers of the New Republic because that's been kind of quiet ever since Gina Carano got let go because I think he was meant to be a big part of that season. Yeah, I haven't heard a huge amount of, about that one myself since uh, she got let go. Uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not uncommon uh, for directors and Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. directors in general to give themselves little cameos in the mm-hmm. programs and movies. I think George Lucas has has done it before now as well. So yeah. it's a bit of a a bit of a nice touch there. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I did feel it a little bit all too convenient that they. Just happened to swing by to just in time to save the day. Yeah, some of the interesting thing I, I do agree. Like Peter Jackson is that I think he's appeared as different like characters who like had like blinking appearances and like not only all three Lord of the Rings but apparently all three Hobbits as well. And also he he's actually Peter Jackson also plays the Santa Claus that stabs Simon Pegg in that opening bit of Hot Fuzz that's on for like two seconds, which is. One of the more random bits of movie trivia you'll ever hear in your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do agree about the all too convenient nature of that because I remember at the time, especially being annoyed because, like, it seems like, oh, like they've got this bad peril, but oh, they're finally going to get away and we can actually move on with however much is left of this episode. And then the giant spider landing on it, which is one of those things like, how do you not fucking see that? How do you miss <laughs> something that size when it's above you? And so he lands on it, causing the ship to, as it's about to take off, like, land back down again. And it just made me think, ah, oh, fuck, this episode's still going. And then, yeah, the fact that they are there at that exact time, I think it was just a case of, like, we want some peril that stops them temporarily from getting to Trask, but we need them on their way there by the end of the episode so that they can land in Trask at the start of episode three. And so we need a convenient way to wrap this up. So, yeah, I do think they had to kind of go through for this occasion the more... Uh, lazy or convenient route to end the episode because uh, also you take out three or so minutes for the runtime when you think about how long the, the credits usually go. The actual time for this episode, I believe, on Disney Plus is around about 41 minutes. And so you take three, three or four minutes off for the well, like the credits. That's still around 37, 38 minutes dedicated mostly to like 10 minutes of stuff in the desert and then getting chased by the X Wing. And then you go 20, 25 minutes of being stuck in the ice, which is, is more annoying at the time rather than watching it back, because when you're watching it back, you can easily skip it. Uh, but at the time, you had like eight episodes, and that was your lot. 
and now we're back to watching it weekly. So, like, if you have an episode like this, and you're like, I need to wait another week to see if it gets good again. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason why they couldn't have just gone straight to Trask, but other than the fact that the writers were obviously in a meeting and realised they only had seven episodes. And, uh, yeah, we've got to find an eighth episode somehow. <laughs> I know. Ah, I know. We'll get stuck on a nice planet. That'll make for good telly. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just and, and given the fact that fucking there are episodes that are better or have more going on in, in them than this, and yet get much shorter, and get much shorter run times. It's just which makes me even more annoying that this is one episode that gets more time dedicated to it. And further, when you look back at episodes. Uh, like if you look back at season two as a whole, it makes you feel really weirder that you know is it to do is it weirding because this is in Peyton Reed's general direction or is it the fact that this is more like filler than this is more of a filler episode? The fact that he directs the finale, which is much better than this, but like taking the same director direct two completely different episodes here because I know the writers have a lot of their input and the finale is already important, but like. Of all the episodes for him to direct, as well as the finale, you give him this episode. Yeah, I, I, I would say, judging by the quality of the finale, it's to do with this episode being being a filler, um, mm-hmm. not not having the greatest script in or well, the scripting's alright, but not the greatest premise, should mm-hmm. we say? They're obviously struggling because every episode, pretty much the first, even the first one, and all the episodes after this, uh, the events are quite pivotal to um, the story and the, the build-up to what happens in the season finale. But this, what happens in this one, it's pretty forgettable, really. Apart mm-hmm. from meeting the frog lady to get to trust to meet the other Mandalorians, which you, spoiler, which you'll do in the next episode, this mm-hmm. There's not that much really of importance, really. Yeah, it is fairly forgettable, and like the one that at least offers less, the, the least to the narrative of the story. Because like they have to get to the next location so you can meet the Mandalorians, which then, which seems to be the run thing of the season. Which you get to the, Mand- the Mandalorians, they give them information, which takes them to the next place. Which then gives them information to the next place. Nothing happens. Has to go to another place. So it's all, the season really is when you break it down to its simplest terms, is Mando having to go somewhere to find out information or for an event to happen to force him to go to another place. But it's usually done so much better in the other episodes than it is here. And I do look forward to talking about next week's episode, but, and I'm struggling to find some positive things to say about this episode because I don't like it to be all negative, but... It does feel like it was stretched out a little bit. Because even if you had the school just under 30 minutes and still had like a little bit of them being stuck and then a little bit more of the spiders and fighting them off. And no, then, no more spiders. Because like, she shoots about two or three of them when they try and get in the hole. Mando's the one having to set up charges and killing the majority of them. <laughs> yeah. So again, she's useless. <laughs> but like, more like conflict there rather than just sitting around the fucking ice because I remember at the time, it reminded me of like what I hated about the fucking Walking Dead before I gave up on that show. And that, you know, Walking Dead, something great would happen in one episode, and then it would be two or so episodes 
of characters and separated in different locations waiting around. So, like, you have two characters wander off in one episode and get separated at the end, and then one episode would follow one character and you think, oh, what's he gonna, what conflict is he going to run to? Oh, he's just wandering around. Okay, the next episode is going to focus on these two. Oh, no, they're just waiting around as well and trying to make their way back and maybe one and kill one or two zombies on the way. Like, oh, they we're back at camp and everybody's just waiting before they had to go back out again. Like, so, and I didn't want that kind of shit to start happening in The Mandalorian. <laughs> No, no, but thankfully it didn't. It's just uh, a, a one-off bad episode, and I think really I've I've said all I need to say on on this particular episode. To be honest, I don't know about you, Scott. Yeah, I can't think of anything like it. It started out uh, promising, and then they decided, ah, uh, well, let's just slow it right down just so we can pad it for time. Uh, we'll say about the uh, episodes that Peyton Reed directs here. Yeah, we can argue that the finale, the ending of that, does have someone coming in conveniently to save the day. But I think that was set up by an event that happened two episodes previous to it, so that can be forgiven more so than just the X-Wing pilots and that happened to find that he was still on the planet somehow. Yeah, definitely. And I think we could just forgive that season finale one either way, really, even if it was completely shooed on in. I think we'd just easily forget that, considering what it turned out to be. Yeah, definitely, and because like you think like how how long do they spend looking for and like how much do they go around this planet? Because how big can this ice planet happen to be? You know, it probably all looks the same when you really get spend more than five or ten minutes on it flying and, over in your next wing. And I, would, would you really care that much? Oh, this guy happens to be all right. Shall we go and find him? You'd be like. Nah, <laughs> let's go to the nearest space bar or whatever. Yeah, because they don't know that at first that he's crashed, and so they had to have done some searching before they find that out. They said they ran his plate, and they found out about what he did, which is why they let him go. So, like, surely you'd run that while you're flying a bit and think, ah, let's forget this, let's bugger it off. But, you know, also, the way they've structured the story... They had to have come back, otherwise Mando and that would never have gotten out of the cave to begin with. So it's a case of like painting yourself into a corner, really. Yeah, it would have been season uh, episode two, season two would have been the last episode, ended by being eaten by a giant spider. So uh, <laughs> wouldn't have been the best. Not to make this a constant thing of me like, uh, dumping on Peyton Reed, because I'm sure he's a lovely fellow. I mean, I like Yes Man. I think it's an underrated one of Jerry, Jim Carrey's work. Yeah, first I time ever. yes, man, actually. Yeah, first time I ever saw Zoe Deschanel in anything. Obviously, that's a lie, I saw an elf, but I didn't realise that was her because her hair was different. But, but then again, he directs Ant-Man. Ant-Man 1 is good. Ant-Man 2, uh, sorry, Ant-Man the Wasp is there. It, it, that's the only thing for its post-credit scene where it's revealed that uh, Hope and her parents got snapped by Thanos, which is why Paul Rudd appears in the van at start, uh, midway through Endgame and they can do the whole time travel thing. So the rest of the film is just... Uh, they're angry, angry at Paul Rudd. Science mumbo-jumbo, science mumbo-jumbo. Here's Lawrence Fishburne. Science mumbo-jumbo, science mumbo. It's <laughs> literally... It's basically Michael Douglas and uh, Evangelion explaining to you the science, the way they justify all the weird stuff that they do in the film. And how certain things are possible. 
but you know, I, I do agree. Like, there's not much I can really say. But before we give like a proper like how we rate the episode, which I'm interested to hear what you say about this. Uh, let's talk about something positive, Star Wars related. How good was the first episode of the Bad Batch? <laughs> oh, it was it was really good, and um, I won't say too much if because hopefully <laughs> uh, we're going to do a, a actual proper review on the Bad Batch once we've got through uh, season two of the Mandalorian. But yeah, some nice little uh, quirks, especially at the beginning, and uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as somebody who's right now has seen, started to see a lot, enough of Dave Filoni's work, I can see his fingerprints all over this project when I was watching it. I love the intro, very similar intro style to the Clone Wars, and they have described it as almost a sequel series to that. Uh, the fact that they gave the first episode 70 minutes, uh, that was released on May the 4th, which I believe was a Tuesday. But then the following episode was released the following Friday. It's going to be Fridays on a weekly basis from now on. So we've got you know, the 70 minute on the Tuesday, another 30 or so minute episode on the Friday. And I think it's going to be around between 20 and 30 minutes each week. We've got 16 episodes. So hopefully we'll be more forgiving to the Bad Batch if it has a, a poor episode here and there in the middle because we know they've got 16 episodes to work with. Yeah, definitely. And the fact... Most episodes, you say, are going to be for 30 or 20 minutes. It, it should give them less room as well to for uh, bad episodes. So we'll just uh, have to see how that goes. But, yeah, I'm quite excited to, to go to giving that a proper review, actually. I had quite a lot of positive thoughts from the, the first episode. And it does sort of set alarm bells ringing at first um, with a, a sort of animate, animated program being uh, 70 minutes. <laughs> you know, usually anything over 25 minutes for animation, animated stuff, unless it's like Disney or Pixar feature length stuff, tends to be a, a bit stretched out, but th- this wasn't. This was, uh, this was really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought this was going to be a thing where when we thought it was going to be three episodes with that kind of similar, because uh, most, like, common example I can think of is uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock series, where each series of that is a 90 minute episode, is three 90 minute episodes rather than like six or so, 30 or so, an hour, minute, hour long, hour long episodes. So I would have been fine if we got that a bit told the story they wanted to tell, but now we know it's going to be across 16 episodes. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a one season thing, like it looks like shows like One Division or something like that are going to be. But you know, it's, you know, Disney when Star Wars have a lot to play with right now. But, you know, like I said, we're going to delve into that in more detail uh, at some point down the line. Uh, how we're going to do in terms of the series as a whole, uh, we're going to have to talk about uh, in due time. But back to Mandalorian episode uh, two of season two. Carl, what is your rating out of ten for this episode? Uh, I think a, I think a five is the best I can give this one, to be honest. Well, we're not terrible and still better than a lot of the stuff on TV and streaming services, it mm. still falls way short of uh, previous Mandalorians. I'm very sure of what's to come because it really does start getting excellent after this episode. Yeah, I think, you know, I like the, the X Wing chase and I like the, the opener, but, you know, eventually well, it was all, you know, getting me you know, built up 
set up for a fall, really. I was set up for disappointment. I think I'm going to go a bit lower than you. I'm going to go for the classic Bret Hart, four out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> it was Triple H, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grogu was a real phony, man. The only guy, as far as he did, because Mando was there to protect him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where's this coming up? This is over 35 minutes somewhere at this episode. Because uh, I thought it was as long as I thought we could go, because, you know, it was fun to shit on this, the character of the frog lady and everything, but uh, I've tried to dig through to find some positives to say about it, and after the crash of the ice, those positives become harder to find. Yeah, and I've had to watch it twice, so it's 80 minutes of my life I'm not getting back. <laughs> but hopefully you won't see this as 40 or so minutes of yearly that you won't get back. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to us talk about this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed laughing at our pain, because I'm assuming you probably didn't choose to watch this episode back, but loved hearing us shit on it. Maybe you're one of the few people out there who enjoys this episode. If so, Please let us know why at rogue underscore things on Twitter and or Instagram. And make sure you stay tuned for the Mandalorian pod and the future episodes uh, that we have to talk about. And because it's going to get better from here. And make sure that you we'll go back in our back catalog of the previous episodes as well as all the other good stuff that we're doing here at Rogue Opinions. Carl, do I give uh, your plugs about what you're up to here in the Rogue Opinions podcast? Yes, uh, you can find me at Carlos underscore Fire 80 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, Rogue Opinions 20.wordpress.com online. And you can find our very last Banter Munich episode that I recorded with Scott. Uh, uh, not Scott, Reese and uh, <laughs> Scott doing football. That's not going to happen. Uh, Me, if I was on that, probably uh, I would go away to explain why it was the last one. But <laughs> with Reese and Liam, uh, we are going to be doing uh, some football-related podcasts in the future, but uh, different to following the season because Liam and Reese can't take their teams being shite anymore. Bless them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can find also the Rogue Chronicles is still going at the moment. Uh, we recently did uh, released episode on the Master, the Doctor Who iconic Doctor Who villain. We talk about all the different irritations of the Master, the different people who've played him. We rank to our favourite actor um, and portrayal of the Master was, and um, his. It's important to the Doctor Who mythology, so that's well worth a listen to uh, if you get the chance. Um, very soon, there'll be the Rogue Opinions uh, second annual awards ceremony with lots of surprises in that. So make sure you listen to that one. You don't want to miss out on that, do they, Scott? No, they do not. You know, that's coming out, hoping to release the awards ceremony on the official the official recognised anniversary, which is the 23rd of May, that will be that was the first day that uh, the first ever podcast three years ago uh, was released. I believe it was your that may have been yourself and Rahul talking about money in the bank 2019. So yeah, let's go see how long ago it was. You know, which I remember uh, a year later when me, you, and Nathan were calling money in the bank 2020. 
uh, we had to right before we, we we started recording we upload that because for some reason it had buggered off our feed. <laughs> Probably because it was so bad. It was my first ever pod, and Royal twisted my arm into recording it, and then bottled out of hosting it. So, <laughs> like, even though like me and you like recording uh, doing our review of Double or Nothing was the first like one I was on that came out. The first one I actually recorded. I mentioned this on last year's anniversary awards that it was me hosting a kayfabe court with Jimmy and Nathan where I had to be the judge. And I had, and we recorded that the day after, uh, the afternoon of the day after uh, Double or Nothing. So I'd stayed at my brother's house after Double or Nothing, sleeping on their, on their old house on their shit couch. Barely got any <laughs> sleep. Got, had to get two trains back uh, and had to wait for my mum and dad who were coming back from holiday that day, help let them in. And then, on very little sleep, I had to listen to whatever bullshit Nathan and Jim were talking about kiss concerts and Rickler getting buried in the desert. Oh, I remember that one. Well, that was pretty, pretty genius. <laughs> uh, I think if you hear, listen to those two podcasts in particular, you can hear how funny I am talking about doing the plugs because Roger Pines is still fairly was still fairly new at the time. But you know, we're going to we're going to. Nathan and Carl are going to give it some awards. We're going to talk about how great we are. We're going to maybe talk about you know some of those early podcasts and Rugby and reflect you know on the, on the good times and maybe talk about what we hope to achieve going forward. Our hopes and dreams, our fears, our phobias, you know, the whole hands and thing kumbaya and all that. <laughs> some of that may not be true. You can, like I said, find me uh, on Twitter. It's called nineteen eighty six. Follow brand at Rogan Square uh, you can check out the Rogue Retrospective review. There won't be an episode. Uh, it's not looking like this week, unfortunately, because I've been very busy and uh, Sam's got some stuff going on. But we hope we'll have an episode coming out next week and uh, regularity will soon continue as we move towards Backlash 2000. And you can check Great out the paper. Re- Great pay-per-view, by the way. Far better than WrestleMania, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so you can check out our WrestleMania uh, to the new both parts of it with me, Sam, and Rian, and or Rian midway through the main event has to bugger off because he conveniently has somewhere to be. And <laughs> all the other episodes of Rogue Retro SmackDown, uh, we'll get we're working on some wrestling related content coming soon with uh, me, maybe with me and Sam, Rian, maybe the grapple updates will make their glorious return. I think the last time we made did one may have been after Hard to Kill. Uh, that goes to how long ago that was. Like I said, the awards are coming. We have so much else. Uh, I mean, we've got some quizzes planned. I'm going to host one. Liam is planning on hosting a movie-related one. It's just a case of when we can sort the dates out to actually get those organised. And uh, I would help if I'd actually written my quiz out yet. Maybe uh, <laughs> on each Suplex Retreat at Suplex Retreat, their feature episode next Tuesday. Uh, I will be stepping into the hosting chair to talk about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, Best of the Super Juniors tournament, talk about the history of that. Me and the panelists on that will be talking about our favourite uh, matches from that tournament's history and talking about some of our, uh, the tournament's MVPs over the years and some interesting stats from the history of that tournament. And I'd also do some other Japanese-related wrestling content over there with East Meets West, which we'll be doing an episode very soon, talking about wrestling on Taku and the other events like uh, the fact that their planned stadium shows this month were have been postponed a state of emergency over in Japan. Uh, Scott and Paul's Rowland podcast, whenever we can be, 
we can, we can get ourselves fucking organised. We'll probably have a new episode out. Don't hold your breath, but follow us on Twitter at, Sk- at SB Rambling. Uh, and speaking of rambling, that's what I've been doing through these plugs, but it's better than watching this fucking episode of Mandalorian. <laughs> We've watched it, so you don't have to. Right, so that is why we here. We we are essential workers in that sense. But <laughs> you try telling people, you, members of your family, that they laugh at you. Exactly. Oh. But but what they don't know, Scott, is that podding ain't easy. That's right, because this, ladies and gentlemen, is the way. <laughs> <laughs>